Welcome to the Brain Gain Youngstown Leadership Series podcast. Each week, we'll learn from leaders who are driving change and making an impact. Now here's your host, the CEO of the Youngstown Publishing Company, Jeff Leo Herman. So have you heard the phrase, it takes courage to be vulnerable? Uh, that's true, and we certainly have a courageous person here on the podcast today. I am thrilled to introduce Ronte Davis. He is the Executive Director of the Hope Centers for Cancer Care. Grew up in Texas. He's newer to the Mahoning Valley. We're thrilled to have him here today. But he, you know, long career in sports, uh, great perspectives on mentorships. Really enjoy the conversation with him around a perspective that someone from Texas has when entering the community here in the Mahoning Valley. And especially, it's, it's probably going to be a good problem we're going to have here over the next couple of years. Uh, lots of new individuals coming to our community and what we can do as existing community members to welcome them and to help um, not only new community members integrate, but also the role of mentorship programs in helping our kids capture their career opportunity. So thanks so much for joining us today. Here is Ronte Davis. Ronte, so thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, the first question we ask when we jump in is, what did you want to do as a child? What what did you aspire to do when you were growing up? Uh, I had two goals, to be honest with you. Um, the first one, I love basketball. Um, so as a kid, love sports. Growing up in Texas, you play everything. And so uh, so I thought possibly, you know, professional career basketball. But then I've always been connected with business. Um, so um, I, I had a lot of family members that were entrepreneurs, and so I've always been connected at business, so owning some type of business. So I would say between the two, uh, I was able to accomplish at least one. <laughs> <laughs> what type of business was family involved in? Uh, so father was actually a bishop, um, and so um, a nonprofit. And so I, I learned a lot about 501c3s and nonprofit. Uh, being able to support, support local communities um, and, com- and community activism, uh, and not from a standpoint from a political, whether you're Democrat, Republican, liberal, um, but it's more so, or conservative, it's more so from a perspective of how do we provide resources, jobs uh, within the local community? How do we uh, make sure that uh, there's great resources that's available for the elderly, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we make sure, I always say the simplest things is, how can we make sure there's a roof over someone's head uh, how can we make sure that they have means to be able to provide for their family, um, and which is jobs, and then being able to make sure that they can eat. And so you take care of those basic needs. Uh, you typically take care of your community. And so um, learning from my father and grandfather and uh, mother, uh, it really taught me a lot about uh, business and building relationships in, uh, in your community. And so that's always been ingrained in who I am. Uh, and so far, hopefully, I think it's been beneficial all these years later that uh, I really know the importance of our communities. Right. So you grew up in Texas uh, and, and now you're in the Mahoning Valley. What's that transition been like for you? Uh, very unique, actually. And so I uh, grew up in Dallas, Texas, uh, lived in Las Cruces, New Mexico, sort of my undergrad, and then eventually uh, uh, transitioned back to Dallas, Texas. Uh, and so, you know, started my career in multiple different industries, did some consulting, um, but then eventually transitioned to within U.S. Oncology. I was in Dallas uh, within a practice there, uh, one of the larger practices. Transitioned to Portland, Oregon, actually, 
and was there for a couple of years um, with a practice within U.S. Oncology uh, called Compass Oncology, and then transitioned to the Hope Center for Cancer Care. The Hope Center for Cancer Care uh, has been within the community since 2007, um, physician-owned, uh, local practice, uh, locally-owned, um, independent physicians. Uh, we're able to serve in uh, oncology and hematology patients within the area. And so uh, these shareholders wanted me to come in and be able to just help them go through some growing pains, uh, which mm-hmm. a lot of businesses go through uh, and helping that transition. And so since coming in the community, I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, you'll hear me talk a lot about sports because I do love sports. So uh, before I came here, I saw the ESPN doc- documentary 30 for 30 Youngstown uh-huh. Boys. So it's actually <laughs> interesting now living in the area. And so it's kind of one of those things like, aha, I remember this. And so uh, so I've seen it t- a couple times, two times before I was in the area. Now I, I-, I watched it uh, about six months ago again. Uh, and it was nice to kind of revisit everything living in the community. But I like it. Uh, it's a nice, close-knit community. Um, and so it's always unique. Every area, I, I just love the love love people. Mm-hmm. Has your perspective changed? So what, what, you know, when you watch this, say, before living here and then now that you live here, did, is there something that you thought, you know, boy, that's different than I thought? I wouldn't say nothing necessarily different. I think just adjusting to every community. Um, and so uh, what I mean by that is just the nuances. I know that there's like a a strong uh, Italian heritage that's in the community, right? And so just being able to appreciate uh, just the history in the in, in each area and every area is a little bit different, right? And so uh, uh, from that standpoint, I think it's 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 nice and it's 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 nice and living in the Midwest because you're you know hour hour or two from Cleveland, hour or two from Pittsburgh, three hours from uh, Columbus, um, four to five hours to Washington D.C. So you can get to major cities uh, and relatively. Real time versus in Dallas. If you try to go from Dallas to El Paso, it's ten hours one way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like we're almost jumping ahead here, but but you know we, we fortunately have the great problem of several employers going to be hiring thousands of roles, right? So we have Lordstown Motors setting up and doing active recruiting. We have Ultium Cells, which is the joint venture between General Motors and LG Chem. Uh, it's a current construction project. They'll be hiring at least a thousand jobs. So what recommendations do you have um, to be welcoming? Because obviously we have a lot of individuals here that will benefit from, um, you know, current residents that will benefit from these new employment opportunities. But do you have any suggestions on how we as a community can be more welcoming to people from not from the Youngstown, Ohio area? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, actually. Um, I think uh, that's always a unique aspect because every family is a little bit different. For me, I'm a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, forward thinking from, you know, I have a more of a, my wife says, a more aggressive approach, uh, meaning that I never mm-hmm. meet a stranger. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I can you know, be in a grocery store or, you know, anywhere and, you know, build a relationship and uh, it develops from there. And so I would say for those that are making a transition into the area, uh, if there's a way where uh, whether the business journal could really provide a database of all the different resources that's available, right? And so depending on how the family dynamics are, um, the needs of the family may change, right? And so uh, if they're married, um, what type of things do they have? If they're married with with children, without children. So if they have children, what what education resources that's available, right? ISDs or school districts is important. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily get into the the ranking because that's a separate conversation. But right. you know, giving them private and non you know um, uh, 
private options also uh, is beneficial. So just the educational resources. And when I look at education, I look at it um, not just pre-K through K, but I look at it before that, you know, top-notch daycares. And then you go to uh, pre-K to, uh, to K and then any post-secondary post school. So if there's training, truck driving school, uh, YSU, um, and then any uh, technical schools or uh, two-year schools, and then any post-secondary um, resources that's available, um, I think is important. So that's from an educational standpoint, housing, what housing uh, resources. So a list of multiple different real, uh, 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 real estate brokers, I think is important. So they know, you know, the, the resources available and any programs that may be available for them financing um, their homes or condos or however they want to to live mm-hmm. uh, and then rental resources. So if they don't want to buy, they want to rent uh, just to get comfortable with the area. So just kind of from that standpoint. So it's just as you see, it's just kind of looking at developing that whole community um, of resources, because that's, again, going back to what I had uh, spoke about earlier is where they living at. Um, and then right. what other resources for them. And then, you know, of course they're coming here for a job um, and just building that relationship, you know, um, any religious affiliations, just having kind of a database of that. Um, and then, you know, I know some communities, uh, they would have, you know, welcome to the community maybe every three months and bringing out, you know, a number of different resources that's available to say, hey, just welcome to the area. Um, and this could be maybe the business. It could be maybe at a county level um, that every three months we're just going to welcome and just say hi to everybody. Right. Uh, and we call it the, uh, the Mahoning High event. But the intent is really building community, building uh, relationships. Um, and I, I repeat myself purposely because it really is about developing and building relationships. So anyone that's new in the area, they can feel comfortable just knowing that they have all these resources that's available um, to them. And then from there, it just expands of, you know, hey, these are some great restaurants, you know, everyone to eat. (laughs) Right, right. Well, I I really, I really like what you said. You never meet a stranger. So do you, do you find it takes a minute or two to you know, so, so many people are guarded. Like what technique do you use to kind of just, you know, I'm kind of the same way. I, I like to jump right in and say, Hey, you know, and just really open up and what, what method do you use to get people to kind of open up quickly? The interesting thing is I would say I'm actually, I'm a people watcher. Uh, I, I like to just watch behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's intriguing to me. Um, and so I think it's, I always say you have to start, you know, look in the mirror and know yourself. Right. And so if, once you know yourself, you can know how you're going to interact with other individuals. And so for me, I know that I'm naturally a people watcher, but it starts from the simplest conversations. And then from there, you can kind of engage and see how to develop that relationship with those individuals. And so I would say the the, the cornerstone is knowing who you are initially uh, so that you know how you can interact with individuals within a local community. And so uh, some, it takes a little bit longer, to be honest with you. For example, my right. loved ones, they, they're a little bit more reserved. So it takes them a little bit of time. And I would say anyone that's moving into the community, uh, don't feel the pressure. It takes time. I, I believe this studies, there's a couple of studies that said it takes at least three to even five years to wow. feel like you're comfortable in a community. So think about that. It takes three to five years to just to feel like you're comfortable. Like right now, if I asked you, Jeff, hey, you know, what are your grocery stores? You you may reel off six or seven versus me. I may have to think of the grocery store and think of where it's actually located, right? Versus right. you can reel off, you know, 
seven of them and tell and this is off this highway this is off this street so it takes a little bit of time to develop that and so i would say to the listeners uh anyone that's you know moving into community don't feel the pressure uh to just develop those relationships overnight it takes time right right it does and that's really where um we as a community have to be open as well because you know for years our population has been in decline and we're you know I just saw a stat from U-Haul that Ohio is number four, the fourth, uh, fourth in the rankings as far as people moving into the state of Ohio via U-Haul statistics. So <laughs> take that for what it's worth. And I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of people flowing towards Columbus and, and Cleveland, obviously. But um, the Mahoning Valley, once again, with the employment opportunities available here, I would have to imagine our proximity to interstate highways and and you know, you mentioned from a sports standpoint, uh, you have your pick of teams, right? Cleveland or Pittsburgh. Uh, did you have one a favorite the other night? Or are you Cowboys? Actually, the interesting thing, I don't have a team. I know everyone oh. says, you know, growing up in Texas, you're supposed to be the Cowboys or, you know, Houston Texans. But uh, I'm a storyline guy. And so it was interesting, you know, seeing Cleveland back in the playoffs. It was actually it's nice. I grew up with, you know, Cleveland Browns always being, you know, in the playoffs and, you know, being kind of a tough outing for anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with Pittsburgh. And so I'm not necessarily surprised because I always say in postseason, uh, it's a new season. And so you just you, you, you really don't know uh, what's going to happen. So it was actually quite interesting. Um, and then, you know, listening to local um, uh, news and radio uh, with Pittsburgh, it was just interesting because they started off strong and then uh, kind of folded at the end versus Cleveland kind of fluttered a little bit and then just really blossom at the right time. So it's actually, like I said, I love the storylines in sports um, because to me, sports, it, it, it imitates life. It really does. And so sometimes you look at Pittsburgh, you can start off with the bang and then just kind of (laughs) have some struggles versus Cleveland is doing the right thing. They're, they're actually uh, blossoming at the right time when you really want to be playing your bus, uh, um, the best football that you, you you can. Well, we won't mention the fact that we're recording this on Tuesday, the 12th and the Ohio state Alabama game was last night. And, you know, I made that, it through that, the half. That was it. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was tough. Uh, it, it was good though, to see uh, actually, uh, you know, big 10 back in the, um, in the championship. I know the SEC always kind of gets that, uh, the credentials and a lot of times right. get two teams in the final four. So it was nice to see, you know, another team actually in the final, um, the, the championship game. Right. So, so on the theme of sports and you mentioned, you, you know, you were actively involved in sports and, and had a, have a love for basketball. Was there a favorite, you know, when you were looking up to people as you were growing up, were there, were there sports figures you looked up to or business leaders or who were your leaders that you looked up to when you were younger? Uh, I would say from from a business, I mean, I'll start more so than from a uh, sports is um, locally in Dallas. We had a lot of guys that was in the area. So I don't know if you remember Larry Johnson, Grandmama. He played at UNLV. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's yeah. from Dallas, Texas. And so uh, Spud Webb from Dallas, Texas. And so um, the interesting thing is I actually had an opportunity to work out with those guys when I was younger. And so and I was much younger than them. So you just developed those relationships. Um, and so um, you saw the success that uh, Larry Johnson initially had. I know he had some injuries at the end. And I was fortunate, I'll be honest with you. I didn't realize I, I played with um, 
a few guys that played in the NBA, you know, when you're younger, you don't think about it until someone said, you really played with a lot of individuals. Uh, Tony Batty, he played in, in the NBA. Kenya Martin was actually number one. He played in Cincinnati. Um, I, we, we was on the same traveling team. Um, and so just not necessarily looking up, but you just realize that with hard work, you can actually get some of the results that you want. So, uh, and I had an opportunity to actually work out uh, or play with a lot of the Dallas Mavericks. So Jamal Mashburn, Jason Kidd, um, Jimmy, um, Jim Jackson, because he played at Ohio State also. And so they was all, that was in the right. Dallas area. And then Mark McGuire, um, I'm dating myself a little bit. And so uh, Mark McGuire used to work out in Dallas because he, you know, uh, played in Dallas and eventually transitioned into D- Detroit. So I wouldn't say necessarily just looked up. I, I always call it a gumbo. I, I try to mirror some of the things that they all did uh, to see how I can incorporate that from that uh, from my perspective. And from a business standpoint, same thing. I started it started locally uh, with my father and my mother uh, owning you know small businesses, and then also um, the church. And then uh, from there, I would just say you know like Martin Luther King. Um, he actually owned quite a few. Um, businesses and just really understanding how to serve your um, your community. And I talk a lot mm-hmm. about community because uh, any product that you have, um, so um, whether it's a smartphone, iPhone or something, it's a product, right? How do we, how does this product or service um, support the community? And so, uh, and then from there, I would say just, it's a lot of different business leaders that I've learned something from, whether it's um, uh, the CEOs that's uh, over Fortune 500 companies to your small um, donut shop owner um, that, you know, just need to understand how to pay their bills. And so uh, to me, I always learn something from every business owner. Uh, and for me, I think it's always important. I always want to learn and grow. And that uh, right. so I would, it's, 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 it's one individual. I think it's a multiple, a multitude of individuals that I've learned right. from it. And so and you have your leadership style and philosophy seems like it's an accumulation of different experiences over time, a sports element, a business element. And, you know, what, what type of leadership style do you have? So in your day to day work with mm-hmm. your colleagues and your peers um, and, you know, you, you've, you had to come in, you've moved around. So that's interesting when you're coming into a new community, what leadership style do you use to kind of drive engagement? Yeah, I think it's, and to be honest with you, when it's all said and done, it, it boils into one simple um, phrase, and I call it servant leadership. The mm-hmm. reason I say servant leadership is that I always say, you know, I put myself in someone else's shoes, and I think that's always important. And so, um, and if I think if you take that approach, you typically can benefit anyone, regardless of where you're going. You want to understand their dynamics, their pain points, the challenges, um, and but then help them be engaged of how how do we move together and move forward. And so when you look at it from a servant perspective, it doesn't mean that there's not accountability and responsibility. Uh, it actually, it, it heightens that relationships. Uh, but when I think of servant leadership, I really think of uh, being able to really engage uh, the team uh, so that we can move in the right direction. And so it's right. not just force analogies. And even, you know, today we care for cancer patients. So well, I'll say cancer and hematology patients. So how do we do it better? Uh, how, do, how can we be, how, how can we serve our patients? How can we also serve each other? And so uh, when you take that approach, I believe it's actually transparent in multiple different ways. No, I, I agree that, you know, servant leadership has come up several times on the podcast and, and it actually requires a degree of vulnerability where, you know, I've heard it called you flip the org chart, right? So the leader is there to serve the individuals that they work with, the, the, you know, all the stakeholders, right? The patients, the customers, the, the colleagues, the direct reports. 
Um, so how do you, what's your thoughts on that degree of vulnerability required to let people know like you're here for them versus they're here for you? Yeah, to be honest with you, that that is the one of the biggest challenges, right? And so, and I've I've experienced that when you move into a different community, you're completely vulnerable. You don't have the safety net oftentimes of your community. You have to develop relationships, and unfortunately, some will work, and, and the good thing is some will work. Uh, but to me, I think the other thing is is that when you're also vulnerable, uh, it to me opens up the avenue to develop that trust. Right. And when someone trusts you, when you trust each other, uh, you can get more done. And so uh, you can accomplish bigger goals from that standpoint. And so for me, it's always how do we think not where we're at right now, but where do we see ourselves in the future? And uh, when you're looking at it from a we approach, uh, then it takes time to develop those relationships to be able to get uh, the organization moving in that direction. So vulnerability is definitely part of servant leadership. It's actually a huge part. Right, right. So speaking of that, we I want to uh, jump into, obviously, we all have made leadership mistakes in our time. Uh, but before we do that, I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors. The Brain Gain is a collaborative effort, and we'd like to thank the headlining members of the coalition, including Farmers National Bank, Sweeney Chevrolet Buick GMC, and the Mahoning Valley Manufacturers Coalition. Also included are Eastern Gateway Community College, PNC Bank, the Youngstown Business Incubator, Youngstown State University, the DeBartolo Corporation, Simon Roofing, and the Mahoning County Career and Technical Center. And we're back. And so we. this was interesting, this thread of vulnerability uh, in servant leadership leads to trust and trusting relationships. Uh, so have you found yourself, have you had any leadership mistakes over time? Something you care to share with us, to, uh, you know, how you've learned from any mistakes that you've made? Oh yeah. Uh, I think that's the great thing about life is hopefully you do learn from your mistakes. And I'll say some of the biggest ones is going back to that vulnerability is um, to be honest with you, failing and being as vulnerable as I needed to be to develop uh, trust with uh, mm-hmm. with colleagues. Uh, it takes time. Uh, it, it, and what I mean by that is, is that it's not just time, but it's also really how do I engage uh, the individuals that I'm working with um, with the for a common goal? Um, and oftentimes, I mean, there's a lot of images, there's a lot of illustrations that's available where you look at like communication and you look at messaging and you, you have the messenger, you have the message, and then you have the listener and it's breakdown somewhere in there. Right. And so I failed in some of those areas. And so um, the important thing is, is that being able to learn uh, mm-hmm. and be accountable and starts with me. And, and that's always key in not making any excuses, but learning from it, growing from it. Um, and then developing those core skill sets to be able to um, to grow. And when you say, how do you develop those core skill sets? It's being able to be honest with yourself and say, okay, you know, is there trainings that's available? Do I have a mentor that I can reach out to? Uh, do I have mentors? Uh, do I have colleagues that's in the same similar position that they can provide some resources? And so when you start looking at, again, going to different communities, uh, it can be your mentor. It can be sometimes it can be your alumni uh, at your uni- universities or trading uh, trade schools. To this day, I still have relationships with my professors in undergrad. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because it's just building um, that community that I feel that I can reach out to, to be able to grow and learn. Um, and then I have mentors um, that just in the community um, that saw me grow up. And so uh, all, all these different resources are available to be able to help when mistakes will happen. And for listeners, there will be mistakes that will happen, but it's, it's important. How do you learn and how do you grow from those mistakes? Right. And you, uh, you a Jocko Willink fan by any chance, the Navy SEAL? Yep. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I am. Yeah. He wrote the book extreme ownership and that, and that's something that, uh, I like what you said, take ownership or take a self inventory. Cause oftentimes that's what the spirit of that book was is okay. What was my role? And yes, there are lots of external factors and mm-hmm. things beyond our control, but that's interesting. That notion of taking the self inventory and talking about what was your role in the process and then how do you just continue to evolve? Yep. Um, well, you know, mentorship programs. I mean, you mentioned mentorship programs. That's a huge part of where our community is going forward. And in many cases, it's mentorship, it's apprenticeship, and it's pre-apprenticeship programs. It's getting kids aspired into career paths. And those paths range from, you know, career tech to trades, to college, to the military. So uh, were mentorship programs important in your early age and your development? Oh, vital. Uh, that was important. So uh, if you notice in, the, in this conversation, I've talked a lot about my family uh, because that's where it started. Right. That was my local community. And when I say family, I was fortunate to have a mother and father. Um, they had a great relationship, married for you know 40 plus years. Uh, but there's different communities. And so uh, it's important to make sure that, that you can expose the next generation as early as possible to opportunities, plural. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason I say that is that, for example, I got an undergrad in uh, finance and uh, in course the MBA, uh, but I am not your traditional finance individual. Right. <laughs> Nowhere near. It. And so right. <laughs> and it's important because I learned that at a young age um, from a mentor. So I would say I had it locally from my family, uncles. Um, they served in the Air Force. Um, so they knew from the beginning, as soon as they graduated high school, they were going to transition uh, to military service through those military services. They can get trades and education. And so that's how they transition. Um, others within the local community uh, were small business owners. And so being able to spend those summers in some of the it was a small community in Waco, Texas, actually, where uh, I had an opportunity to just do you know volunteer work. And so just being able to see the day in, day out. Um, help me understand the importance of um, of just just work, you know, great work ethic. And so um, and so being able to have that experience, it just taught me a lot. And so uh, I think it's important with mentors. Exposure is key uh, in exposing the young, uh, the next generation of future leaders to opportunities is always important. That's why I'm big on, you know, like for here, we've talked about um, how do we develop the resources to grow a community. Well, it's mm-hmm. the same thing for the next generation. So uh, you shouldn't wait till they're in high school to consider certain, you know, opportunities. Uh, at a young age, they should look into arts and entertainment. They should look into uh, math and engineering. Um, they should make reading. And uh, the library is a great resource. Oftentimes, it you know, books get collected dust, um, but that's where your mind can really grow. And so, being able to expose them at a young age is important. Oftentimes, uh, and we, I think we fail is we wait until they're into high school and then say, Hey, I think, you know, you're good at math. You should be an accountant. Hey, you're right. good at you know, art. 
you should be a graphic designer. Well, you know, can you combine the two? You know, maybe you can be an entrepreneur right. that does graphic designing. And so, um, so I think it's important is if we can expose the next generations at a young age, uh, then it opens up the avenues and the opportunities for them. Do you feel like you, it's funny you mentioned we talked about resources earlier, and if you're new to a community, you know where do I go to do X and Y and Z, and just what's available. Do you feel like you have a good sense of the mentorship programs available here in the community to help our youth? I think that's the challenge. Uh, now, to be honest with you, that's a challenge for us, but we, we know how we, I always say we have tentacles. My wife is in education. Um, and so she's been in education K-12 most of her career and now she's in university. But uh, the reason I say that is that we're actually fortunate because she knows how to reach out to identify those resources through your local school districts. I talk about the library also because uh, we do go to the libraries when it was open. I know it's COVID-19, but uh, mm-hmm. when they were open to be able to identify those resources that's available um, from an educational standpoint. But I think it's a challenge, but I would say not just in this local community, that's a challenge uh, that I've seen in multiple different states of where the resources that's available uh, to the next generation. And so that that's definitely a challenge, um, but this is not the only community that, that experiences that. Right, right. It, it, it has me thinking because we're launching a navigators program as part of the brain game Mm-hmm. initiative and that literally is to to become a champion for mentorship programs and expose mm-hmm. great programs that are happening and then inspire others to stand up their own mentorship programs and really because once again as you've mentioned that I mean it's it's setting um, just working with our students to help them on a path to to you know career fulfillment or personal fulfillment or whatever whatever the case may be there's a lot of opportunities for mentorship. So, Jeff, if, if I can take it even one step further, I mean, the thing is, is from this, I think is one thing having a great conversation, but I always say, or I've, I've always heard, what are we going to do about it? And so, I mean, for those that's listening on the podcast or others, there may be an opportunity and I don't mind. I, I think I get the board or the shareholders here is that if there's a group of, you know, mint, uh, uh, of, of young up and coming uh, future generational leaders, in the Hope Center for Cancer Care, we could do a summer in summer mentor program where they can come and spend time at at our facilities um, and be able to learn about hematology oncology. And from there, it opens up a lot of different positions. So one, you got the business side, that's me, executive director, but then you have the physicians, you have nurse practitioners, you have nurses, we have medical assistants, so we have clinician side and admin side. And this is not a promoting of the Hope Center for Cancer Care, but if not only for the Hope Center, but if there's other community organizations that in that same summer, um, or I shouldn't say summer, period of time, um, right. that the mentors um, to come in and be able to um, spend time at those locations, give them the visibility that they need. This helps plant the seed to help them um, start to be successful in, in for their futures. And so I'm definitely supportive of a program like that if other organizations are willing to participate also. Well, it's funny. We You've already answered the challenge question, and I believe you will find uh, one of the goals we're going to have here, this one of the outcomes, right? What should we do about it? Is I is I think you and I have to work on a, getting a mentorship program, you know, stood up and 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 getting people exposed um, to your organization and yourself. So uh, we that's that's a challenge I'm going to set for myself <laughs> to make sure it happens. So we we actually are making an impact for sure. But I guess to to close out. Um, 
you know, that, that is a great challenge to offer to the audience. You know, how do you actively drive it, you know, set up or drive or participate in mentorship programs? Do you have any other challenges or things you want to offer to the community before we close up here for today? Yeah. And I would say to the listening audience, I, I really enjoy the community from someone that has moved around. Um, I, I, I love the people that's here. Um, for anyone that's going to be moving into the community, it's a great community to be a part of. Um, and, and it's an honor to be in the community. And so, um, however, I can, I can be of any service. Um, Jeff has my contact information and you don't ever have to hesitate to reach out to me. Okay. Well, Ronte, thanks so much for your time today. We really enjoyed having you on the Brain Game podcast. Thank you so much, Jeff, for the opportunity. Thank you for joining us today. We really do appreciate your time. If you like what you hear, please share it with a friend. And also, please leave a rating or review on your favorite podcast player. Those really do help us improve the quality of the show. If you have questions, comments, concerns, ideas, guests you want to recommend, hit me up on LinkedIn or send me an email at j-h-e-r-r-m-a-n-n at business-journal.com. I will certainly get back to you. And I do have to thank, once again, the members of our Brain Gain Coalition. Without them, none of this would be possible. So thank you to Farmers National Bank, Sweeney Chevrolet Buick GMC, the Mahoney Valley Manufacturers Coalition for all of their support. And, and along with them, additional members of the coalition include Eastern Gateway Community College, PNC Bank, the Youngstown Business Incubator, MCCTC, Mahoney County Career and Technical Center, the great team out there, Simon Roofing, the DeBartolo Corporation, and Youngstown State University. So thanks so much once again, and we will see you next time. I'm brave. I got what it takes. I'm